Lots to get to today with Jeff Diamond. Who's making money? Who's de- who's basically demanding that they get paid a lot of money this offseason? How is the race going to break down? Did the Vikings miss it on Jake Browning? What should they do with the quarterback position? Should the tush push be outlawed? Let's get to all that here on Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is part of TalkNorth.com. You can find all the shows at TalkNorth.com, all the archives there. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. If you like this show, you'll probably also like the Viking Update show and Dawn of Sports with Don Mitchell, who gets into a lot of Viking topics as well. Uh, thanks to our longtime sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. And Jeff, let's get into it. Vikings at Lions, uh, big game for the Vikings, maybe a big game for the Lions. Still the chance the Vikings could go on a tear here at the end, beat the Lions twice, beat the Packers at home, win the division. More realistically, they need to find a way to win two out of three games, which would probably put them in good shape. So how do you how do you view their predicament at the moment? Yeah, I, I think that there was a lot of damage done last weekend in from the standpoint of the Vikings losing a very winnable game in Cincinnati, which, again, has happened too many times this season. When you look at Tampa Bay, the Chargers, the Bears, the Broncos, now the Bengals, a game against a, a backup quarterback not facing Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase is out at the end. They need to win that game, find a way to win that game, and and they can't pick up six inches on on a, a quarterback sneak when you got a running back who's run for 132 yards. Just give them the ball. Yep. <laughs> with with CJ having the lead back, or if you're going to run that that stupid tush push, then have Josh Oliver, who's yep 260 pounds and perhaps the best blocking tight end in the league, have him doing the pushing along with Hawkinson or even Blake Brandle, the extra lineman, somebody big back there, not Brandon Powell. It was just, it was just crazy. And, and I think there's a lot of damage done in that loss that took him to 7-7 seven and seven because it's now really opened up the door. Now, as you said, they, they control their own destiny, which is great, but they, they may need to win all three. That two out of three might not get it done because they're – an unexpected thing that happened in Seattle was was further damaging to the Vikings when the Seahawks upset the Eagles on Monday night, and they get to seven and seven. Their remaining schedule at Tennessee, home versus Pittsburgh, at Arizona. If the Seahawks win out, they're ten and seven. The Rams, who've won four of the last five, and Stafford's hot. They have they're seven and seven. They've got New Orleans. As we record today on Thursday, they play New Orleans Thursday night at home. That's a big game. The Vikings could use the Saints to get a win because they have a tiebreaker edge on the Saints. And then the Rams go at Giants at 49ers in their finale, and the 49ers may have it all wrapped up at that point for the top seed, so they may sit a bunch of starters. It, I, I think the Vikings are in tough shape, honestly, to the point where they should look at their predicament and think we need to win out. And I'm sure O'Connell is just saying, hey, win this week. <laughs> win, right. win, beat the Lions at home, and then take it from there. If that happens, and, and furthermore, that's what the league wants to see because the, the league is hoping the Vikings win their next two at home versus Detroit and Green Bay, and, at, and then the Lions lose at Dallas next week, then that sets up 
the Week 18 season finale at Detroit with the division title on the line. That's what the NFL was hoping for when they scheduled this way with the Vikings and the Lions playing two of the last three against each other. So we know the league wants it to happen. Can the Vikings make it happen? Honestly, I have my doubts that they can sweep Detroit when, and, and maybe two out of three will work because maybe Tommy DeVito gets a win over the Rams next week at home. He didn't look too great against the Saints last week. Maybe Seattle goes to Tennessee and Mike Vrabel gets them cranked up and they knock them off. The Seahawks are, have been inconsistent. The Rams, I think, are a team that, that is on the rise. The Packers are, are in more trouble at 6-8. and eight. But the Vikings have injury issues now. You look at the injury report, man, there are six, six guys didn't practice uh, on, on Wednesday compared to the Lions with, with most of their key people able to practice. Now Hunter's got an illness. He'll be back. Madison, we know that Chandler should be the lead back anyway after having his great day. Byron Murphy Jr., that's a concern with his knee. O'Neal with his ankle, we'll see about that. It's Harrison Phillips is on the injury list with a back injury, and he's been a key to their run defense. And the run defense is going to be really important against Detroit this week because those two backs, Montgomery and, and Gibbs, have been dynamic for Detroit. I think it's really it's going to be a fascinating game with the Lions. Jared Goff has been up and down. He was up last week with five touchdown passes against Denver, but he loses to the Bears and the Packers, who put a lot of pressure on him with the blitz, and that's certainly, we know Brian Flores' forte to blitz, and Goff does not have a great career record against the blitz, as opposed to what happened last week. And and, and I'm, I'm going to vent a little bit here, Jim, on, our, on, on the coaches for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. First of all, Kevin O'Connell and Brian Flores have done well to keep the Vikings in playoff contention with so many key injuries. We know that, especially Cousins, Jefferson, Davenport's been a non-factor this year. Jordan Hicks missing several games. Now he's back at practice. That That's a good sign for the defense. Maybe he can, can help shore up some of those late-game issues where they're giving up big plays, such as the third and 21 conversion by Jamar Chase. And I, I don't know what... Hicks can do to help against the jump balls that they're getting that Higgins and Cortland Sutton have converted against against Caleb Evans and 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 Mackay Blackman. Other than the fact that Flores, and this is where I'm, I'm going to vent on Flores, he needs to put a little double coverage on some of those big receivers in those clutch situations, especially last week against the Bengals against Higgins when Jamar Chase is out of the game. And he's got a Caleb Evans in single coverage. I thought that was a, mis- a big mistake. And and furthermore, to be to be blitzing Jake Browning, who who came into the game with a 128 rating against the Blitz, and he burned the Vikings with the Blitz repeatedly in the game by throwing it up to Higgins or hitting Chase. As I said, Flores has done a great job with this defense. We know that, but. Got a little blitz happy, I thought, against the Bengals, against Browning, who's had so much success in that area. And and, and O'Connell, I mean, come on. If you're going to run the tush-push, get a big guy behind Nick Mullins. And, and furthermore, 
I, how smart is it to to run to have guys banging into Nick Mullen back when, when he was on injured reserve with a back injury? Yeah, for for many weeks, and so. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell's done a great job putting the, keeping this team in contention. So as far as last week was not good for the Vikings coaching staff leaders in any way, shape, or form. And and I think you touched on that in your column. Yep. A, a, a play fake, throw it to Jefferson, throw it to Addison, throw it to Hawkinson, throw it to Chandler out of the backfield. On one of those fourth down plays, they needed to do something different. And even as simple as running Chandler – would would have been a wiser choice. I I think that was a panicky situation, and Kevin O'Connell really messed up there. Yes, no doubt about it. And you know, you've been around a lot of great coaches, or been around a lot of coaches who end up getting fired, and sometimes great coaches get fired. It strikes me that the NFL lends itself to smart coaches outsmarting themselves because they have so much time to prepare and they have so much information, and and you know. I just think that, like, I feel I, I feel like Kevin O'Connell decided at some point during the week that that was a good idea, and I feel like if he they didn't overthink things, you just would have turned and handed the ball to your running back. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, and and especially after he gets stopped on third down, even though they thought he might have made it, but but as I said. The guy's coming off a back injury, Mullins, <laughs> and you got guys banging into his back. Does that make sense? No, it does not. And make sense. furthermore, you got a center in Bradbury, who he he's average at best. He was having some issues with Hill during the game already, who's a pretty good nose tackle, and and yeah, DJ Reader was out of the game, but. The Vikings' interior offensive line, I think you may have pointed that out, or several people did, is not the strength of the team. Reisner's okay. He, he's played okay. Ingram is pretty pretty good run blocker, but they didn't have O'Neal in there. And if you're going to run it, run it behind your Pro Bowl caliber tackle, Christian Derrissaw, yep. with Oliver on his flank. Doesn't that seem more logical? Yes, <laughs> It does. Uh, yeah, it's – hey, let's let's spin it this way. Uh, take advantage of, of your experience. Uh, can you give listeners a feel for what it's like to be in the building when a team is like in the race but fighting for a playoff spot and every game matters? I mean, what are the emotions like? Do players just handle it all pretty well or is there is – there, do you feel tension in meetings? Do you feel tension in the building and at practice? I think the tension is more uh, among the coaches that they're that they're feeling the pressure. I, I think the players move on that they're they're so conditioned to okay, put that one in the rearview mirror. We're going to move forward to the next game, and and perhaps a, a quarterback such as Mullins or or Kirk Cousins has a hard time forgetting about what just happened if if it was a bad result. But I think the other players just figure, hey, okay, yeah, we, we still control our own destiny. We can go beat Detroit. They've been up and down in the last few weeks. And, and if we get that win, we should be okay. They're, they're not really analyzing what happened with Seattle beating Philadelphia, getting back in the race and how that affects it. And, and I'm not sure that Kevin O'Connell even brings it up to them that, hey, we, we got to start winning here. 
starting this week, and we may need to win out. But but he's not going to say we need to win out because he wants them to focus on one game at a time. We know that. And so, yeah, I, I don't think the players feel the pressure as much as, as the coaches do. Yeah, the, that, that makes sense. I also think that, uh, you know, the people that I spend time around, you know, the, the people behind the scenes, PR people, all uh, – I sometimes I think they're more tense than anybody else in the building because they just feel like they because they feel like they have no control. You know that the, the te- they have their whole life wrapped up in the team and yet they can't affect the outcome in any way. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and and I I kind of felt that even as a GM or team president that yeah. I I can go down the hall and 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 talk to Denny Green or Jeff Fisher and and say hey how's it going are, are we okay how do we match up maybe a little more control, but even a GM at this point can't really add players to the roster per se after the trade deadline. And you're starting to look really as a GM at potential free agents next year. What are your weaknesses? You're starting to think about the draft and it's, it's difficult even when you're in that position to have much control over what's going to happen and you just kind of kind of have to sit back and and go along for for a nerve-wracking ride down the stretch and i i had plenty of those years absolutely and and you can you can feel the pressure certainly i want to talk about uh other matchups around the league we're going to pick the vikings game we'll pick the green bay game i just want to talk about adam thielen and marcus davenport and ty chandler uh for now though i want to hear about white bear lake superstore whitebearlakesuperstore.com yeah, thanks, Jim. The White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, with my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gutrell, their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running, with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team. Check out their website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. It's the holiday season sales event, $4,000 off MSRP and 1.9% APR on new 2023 Buick Encore GX. $4,500 off MSRP and 1.9% APR on new 2023 Buick Enclaves. $8,000 off MSRP on 2024 GMC Sierra 1500 Crew Cabs. The White Bear Lake Superstore is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to longtime sponsor, Platinum Bank. Happy to talk about our great sponsor, Platinum Bank. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have personally experienced tremendous customer service, working with Executive VP Nader and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank providing a means to a dream and happy holidays from the Wiper Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. And happy holidays from Talk North and uh, Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. We appreciate everybody who listens to the show and the network. Uh, hope you have a great uh, end of the December, however you happen to celebrate it. Uh, Ty Chandler, is he your number one running back now? 
Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> he definitely should be. I, I think he's got, he's got the instincts. He's got the speed. He, he shows enough power. I still think Alexander Madison is a, is a good second back just as he was with Dalvin cook. But, but to me, I think it's pretty obvious that Chandler who had 132 yards rushing in his first NFL NFL start uh, has shown he should be the the key guy here down the stretch for the Vikings in the running game, and and they've been improving as a running offense, which is which is a good sign late in the season. They're up to twenty third in the league, which is a heck of a lot better than about thirty first that they were for a long time this year. So yeah, I think that Ty Chandler is the guy. He he pr- provides more of a threat in the passing game. Has has better hands than, than Madison. And hangs on to the ball. Uh, knock on wood for him. That continues, but but he he does not put the ball on the ground like like Madison has too many times this year. So I still think Alexander Madison's a good player, but I think he should be a second back. I think Chandler should be the main guy. And not only does Chandler eat up ground when he has some space, as we saw in that little uh, flare pass, but I really like the way he finished runs. You know, when there was nothing there. He was really able and willing to twist and and kind of writhe forward and get that extra yard or two in, your, in short yardage situations, and I, I, I that's so valuable. That's one thing Walter Payton always talked about: is hey, if you if you reach if you can reach out for that one extra yard every every rush, you're going to go from being a thousand yard rusher to a fifteen hundred yard rusher. You're going to go from having you know four yards carry to five yards to carry. I, I really like the way he finished runs. Yeah, definitely. I think there are so many runs he had in Cincinnati where he, as you said, he would bounce off a guy or he would make a, a very subtle cut and, and pick up the extra couple of yards when it looked like things were were uh, jammed up inside, which, which is further evidence why he should have got the ball in one of those third yep. or fourth down plays in overtime that that just ridiculous that that didn't, didn't happen because he had had such a good day. Let's talk about two former Vikings. Uh, number one, Adam Thielen. Let's we'll do even do our Packers pick. The Packers play at Carolina this week. Carolina having a miserable season, although they did beat the Falcons at home last weekend, but they did it with three field goals. Or not, you know, Bryce Young's having a terrible time. If everybody could reset and re and go back in time and make the decision now, knowing what we know now, should would Adam Thielen have stayed with the Vikings, and should should the Vikings have wanted to keep him? Well, I think that, that things have turned out well, other than the record in Carolina for Adam. I mean, he's had, he's had a great year there. He's stayed healthy. He's produced. He's got over 80 catches. Uh, and I think it, it's turned out well for him. He got, he got paid a good, a good, good salary over $10 million to, to make the move. And, and the Vikings end up drafting, <clears throat> drafting Jordan Addison, who's been a really good player for them. So I think it really worked out fine for both sides. Um, what would have been Adam's role here? How would it have worked out? And I mean, if they'd kept him, they probably wouldn't have drafted Addison, who, who certainly has a great future. So I, I think it, it was a good move for both sides. It, it, it certainly would have been nice in a perfect world for, for the Minnesota bred player who joined the team as an undrafted free agent out of a tryout camp if he could end his career with the Vikings. But how often does that happen in modern-day sports that a player stays with one team his entire career? It's very, very rare. And 
The Vikings hope that's the case with Daniil Hunter, by the way, <laughs> who, as he heads towards free agency, what's going to happen there when he's having his best season, a career best 15 and a half sacks, he, he's going to end up with, with the most tackles against the run. He's playing the run great. And what, what a year he's had. And so you talk about priorities. That's going to be a huge priority for the Vikings to get him re-signed. And how's that going to fit with the Cousins situation with Jefferson's extension? The Vikings do have some cap room going into the 2024 offseason, which is a bit of a rarity for them lately. But, yeah, Hunter is definitely a priority for sure. And as long as he can hopefully finish the season healthy. But but for Adam, I think it worked out fine for him. And, and I think the Packers are going to ha- have their hands full. All of a sudden, the Panthers have a little more confidence after getting that win over Atlanta. Green Bay ha- has been up and down. They may feel like they're kind of out of it at this point or close to it. And Carolina's defense is is underrated. They're ranked third in the league, and they've got some really good players. Brian Burns is another guy heading to free agency who's going to cash in, and and he's a he's definitely one of the top edge rushers in the league who could give Love some trouble. So I I would not be surprised to see a, an upset this week in Carolina, but I I would pick the Packers. The other former Viking I wanted to talk about, Jake Browning. Uh, heard a lot of good things about him from Viking staffers over the years. Uh, and basically, they kind of got rid of Browning and then went hard after Kellen Mond. And now it's very obvious that Browning is by far a superior player, whether you consider him a budding starter or just a really good backup. Uh, what you know Was it painful for you to watch Browning do what he did this weekend? Yeah, I, I think it was painful for the Vikings to watch that and and they had no control, the current regime, right. on that one yep. because Kel- Kellen Mond was a bust. And we know Zimmer wasn't thrilled with Kel- Kellen Mond no. and, and wanted to keep Browning. So so that one apparently is on Rick Spielman that that decision was made. But, but Jake Browning, I, I thought when the Vikings signed him originally as a – as an undrafted player, it was a it was kind of a coup because he had been a very successful college quarterback at Washington, and just never really had much of an opportunity except in preseason. And all of a sudden, he blossoms in Cincinnati with with Zach Taylor coaching him up, and and, and certainly with a with a great supporting cast with Jamar Chase and 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 T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and and that offense that, that they run and Joe Mixon in the backfield and a, a good enough offensive line. So he certainly benefited from that. And also watching Joe Burrow, who's one of the best in the, in the business too. So yeah, I, I'm sure it was, it was definitely painful for the Vikings to watch that happen, but not so much for Quazy and O'Connell because they didn't really have anything to do with that decision. But but Jake certainly made it very clear <laughs> that that he was happy to stick it to the Vikings last week. No doubt about it. Yes, uh, you mentioned Daniil Hunter uh, putting himself in position to get a massive contract. Who else has kind of made themselves some money here in the last month or so? Well, I, I think perhaps Kirk Cousins did in the first half season. Yeah. When you talk about what his performance was with a one hundred three point eight rating, eighteen TDs, five interceptions, had him on a three game winning streak when he went out of the lineup and the Vikings can't put the franchise tag on either cousins or Hunter. 
So I, I think these set up as really interesting negotiations, hard negotiations to get done. The, the difficulty when you, when you don't extend a player before the season and, and let them get closer and closer to free agency, then the tendency, and I can speak from not only a former GM standpoint, but also working in the agent world now, that why would you not want to test free agency and have 32 teams bidding on your services as opposed to only one team. So it forces the team in, that has the player to really almost overpay. And I, I think we saw that a little bit with what the Bears did with Montez Sweat after they traded for him from Washington, gave up a high second-round pick, and then all of a sudden the pressure's on, well, we don't want to lose him next year so they give him a, a close to 25 million dollar a year deal for a guy who never had double digit sacks now sweat's a really good player he's played great for the bears since they got him and they did that extension and it's going to pan out but that extension also has up the price tag for a guy like neil hunter who has 15 and a half sacks who has whatever five double digit sack seasons who's overcome his injury issues and all of a sudden if sweat's making 25 million a year and Nick Bosa is top of the market at $34 million a year on his extension, even though his actual money is about $31.5. And, and you got the Bosa, and you got, you got the other Bo, Joey Bosa at 27. You got TJ Watt at 28. You know Hunter's going to be looking for TJ Watt money, at least. And he'll probably be looking for $30 million a year. Can, can the Vikings do that on a 29 year old player who's had some injury issues? I think they better do it because he's their best player on defense. Where would they be without him? That would be very difficult. But you talk about other players who've made money. Mike Evans has had a big year. He's had his 10th straight 1,000-yard-plus season. He's been a big part of the Bucks getting back in contention uh, and, and leading the NFC South at this point. Higgins is headed in for free agency. He comes off this great game against the Vikings. Michael Pittman Jr. with the Colts has, has had a, an excellent season. And help them stay in contention. DeAndre Swift, a running back with the Eagles. And I, I mentioned before, Brian Burns of the Panthers. Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, the edge rusher with the Jaguars, has 13 and a half sacks and, and has a really, really big year for the Panthers. We know Chris Jones is always going to be in the conversation, and he had that holdout this year. Patrick Queen's another linebacker. And, and a former golfer, Antoine Winfield Jr., has had a huge year with Tampa Bay on defense. Jim, how about this for a stat line? 107 tackles, four sacks, two interceptions, 11 passes defensed, five forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries <laughs> for the former golden golfer, Antoine Winfield Jr., who, whose dad, of course, was a, a multi-all-pro bowl player with the Vikings. So Antoine's going to do fine. Chase Young, another guy who's going to cash in. We know that. Yeah, no doubt. And congratulations to Antoine Winfield. Man, he was so much fun to watch here. He's still fun to watch. Just a dynamic player. And obviously his father was one of the most studious players ever. And that certainly seems to have rubbed off on Antoine, who might even be a better athlete than his dad. Uh, probably a little bit stronger than his dad was. Uh, let's get to our picks now. Let's start with uh, Packers at Carolina. Uh, do you... You said you wonder how the Packers will play under these circumstances. Carolina isn't that easy to play against, even though the record's bad. What do you see? Yeah, I see the Packers winning it. But as I said, I would not be surprised one bit if 
it ends up the other way and, and Carolina gets a win, although which actually would be good for the Vikings for, from the perspective that the Bears are holding that Carolina first round draft pick. If Carolina drops down a little bit in the draft order, that would be probably certainly a good situation for the Vikings because what are the Bears if they get that first pick? Justin Fields did not acquit himself well uh, in, in Cleveland, which we knew was going to be difficult against the, the top top ranked defense, but he threw two interceptions in that game. And, and he's kind of on a, a three-week audition now. The last week didn't go great, even though the couple weeks before it did go well. The Bears are going to be in a, in a tough decision-making situation if they keep the number one pick, or even if they're at number two or three when there are so many f- first-round quarterbacks up to six in that first round, as we've talked about repeatedly. And, and so I think the Bears certainly want to see the Packers win this week and keep Carolina down for that draft pick. All right, let's go on to Dallas at Miami. Fascinating game. Two teams that can blow out lesser teams but really struggle to beat good teams. One of these teams is going to beat a team with a winning record this weekend. Yeah, they are. And the Cowboys have are coming off that that really tough, tough game that they had last week and, and where they got drilled. And so you, you wonder, certainly Miami has had some issues too. Both of them are 10 and four. The they're playing in Miami. I guess the key question to me would be, is Tyreek Hill going to play and, and what his status is as, as he comes off his injury and he missed last week, even though the Dolphins still rolled without him. But, but they'll need him against Dallas, against that defense. I, I'm going to take Miami at home in this game, but, but very reluctantly or, or I, I'm very questioning whether they can get it done because I, I just think that they're an inconsistent team, but they, but they do play pretty good defense. So I, I'll take the Dolphins, but again, a, a close matchup could go the other way. Yeah, I like the Dolphins here for two reasons. Uh, they play well at home. Grass surface benefits them because they're used to it. Uh, the Cowboys' offense really deck. You know, there's a reason they're so much better at home. Deck makes great late late second last second decisions as the clock's coming down at the line of scrimmage. And at home is everybody can hear them on the road. They have to stick with whatever play was called. Huge difference. So I will take Miami. Baltimore at San Francisco, one of the best games of the year. What do you think? Yeah, definitely the game of the week on Christmas night in San Francisco. Both teams holding the top seeds in each conference, trying to hang on. And I, I like San Francisco in this game. I think, obviously, Brock, Brock Purdy is having a great year. It, it's almost two of the top, in, in, or maybe three of the top MVP candidates on the field with, with Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers. And then you got Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. And he's certainly capable of turning a game. But I think the Ravens have maybe been one of the more consistent teams in the league. They haven't lost more than two games in a row all season. And again, they're they're trying to hang on for that top seed in a tough AFC. But San Francisco, to me, is the best team in the league right now. And you, you again, think about <clears throat> the Vikings beating them, whatever that was, week seven on the Monday night game, and, and, and how... It was a surprise, and it was Kirk Cousins' maybe best game of his career, 
and and things started to be on the upswing at that point. It kind of fueled the rise to six and four, and the Vikings were in such great shape at that point. But but again, remember the four Niners were missing Debo Samuel. They were missing Trent Trent Williams in that game. And when I watch San Francisco, Jim, and it, and, and it kind of brings me back to the Vikings' last couple ill-fated play calls with the quarterback sneaks. When they need a, a key play, they're running McCaffrey behind Trent Williams. So why you wouldn't be running Ty Chandler behind Christian Derrissaw in, in that key situation, I'll, I'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. All right, let's get to our last pick and wrap up the show. Once again, thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Uh, thanks to our producers, Brandon Morton and Davide. And thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. Let's get to Lions at Vikings. What do you think? Well, I, I think this. I think the Vikings coaches, uh, led by O'Connell on offense, they need to be studying hard, which I'm sure they are, what Baltimore did on both sides of the ball in destroying the Lions when they played in midseason and whatever was 38-10 to 10 or whatever that score was, they just crushed them. And they were up 28 nothing in the second quarter. They scored touchdowns on their first four drives. No Lions first downs until middle of the second quarter in that game. And Baltimore kept their foot on the gas pedal. Jackson was Lamar Jackson was throwing the ball great in that game. And, and then also study what happened on Thanksgiving with, with the Packers forcing three fumbles of Goff and 17 pressures on him. And then the next week, the Bears are putting the heat on Goff, and he throws two interceptions in the game. They beat him by 15. So they need to be studying those particular games to see what exactly these teams were doing against Detroit. And the Lions – Defense has not been great this year. They're they're okay. They're middle of the pack. The offense is ranked third in the league, but as I said, they've been throttled several times. And Jared Goff has had some issues with the blitz. He had problems with the blitz against the Bears and the Packers. And we know what Brian Flores can do. So it, I think it's really going to be fascinating to see the matchup between Ben Johnson and a really good offensive coordinator in Detroit, and Brian Flores, the Vikings defensive coordinator. Jim, I just don't have a great feeling about the Vikings and Mullins at this point in time, and I'm going to pick Detroit to win a close game. I'm going to call it 28-27. to It could easily go the other way. If the Vikings turn the ball over, and we know the formula, when they've turned the ball over, they've got – and they lose the turnover battle, they've gotten beat in every game this year that they've lost. So I'm going to pick Detroit, and perhaps it, it can swing the other way. If the Vikings protect the football, if, if Mullins is more careful with the ball, then I think they can get it done and win this game. But it, it's going to be a big, big challenge, and I, I'm going to take Detroit in a one-point game. All right. Well, I agree with you. I see a close Detroit win, and I just don't trust Mullins at this point. Um, if he learns what he did last week, maybe that this changes. Uh, I kind of hope the Vikings win, just so it makes the rest of the season more interesting. Uh, you know, this is the great thing about the Vikings is they're usually in it till the end. They they play so many meaningful games. I hope the last two games end up. Uh, being meaningful against the Packers and the Lions. So we'll be back next week to talk more about what happened and what's ahead. Thanks so much for listening to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider and TalkNorth.com.